Great. Please turn to the person next to you. And you can say these words to them. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> say it like you mean it. <laughs> <laughs> and then your response to that statement is, thank you very much. <laughs> Do you believe it? Do you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Because pinnacle of God's creation, humankind, mankind's. He has created us, the Bible tells us, in His image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we read that God created human beings in His own, Im in his own image. Sorry, I'm still stuck in East London mode. <laughs> Which is a good mode, by the way. God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female, he created them. And so as his image bearers, when we read the scripture, and we believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we are, in the context of the scripture, we are to be fruitful and to thrive in the identity and the role in which God has created us. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the very next verse following on from we've been created in the image of Christ, the Bible records, this is what the Bible records about Adam and Eve, and it's true for all of us because we are the offspring, the Bible will tell us. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And so to fulfill this creative purpose, we have been given a blueprint which shows us how we are to live out who we are as God's creation, the roles we are to fulfill, and what we are to embrace and to live out. And God has given us a blueprint for this kind of life, which is called the, the Bible, His Word. And so God's will, as revealed in the Bible, can I say, is not old-fashioned. This is not an old-fashioned truth. God has created us. In his image, as male and female, he has created us. This is not old-fashioned theology. This is true today for all of humanity. It's as relevant today as it's always been through time eternal. It's his word, God's very word recorded in Scripture for us to read. We don't have the luxury of interpreting it how we want to apply it. Nor can we be ignorant of its power to help us navigate life. Billy Graham said this, the late Billy Graham. He says, if you are ignorant of God's word, you'll always be ignorant of God's will. Ignorant of God's word, the intent of it, will be ignorant of his will. Sadly, I believe, and just observing life around us, when it comes to truth, God's word has been twisted to drive certain agendas. It is God's intent that in Christ, and I just love that scripture that Shelley shared during our time of worship to encourage us. It's God's intent that in Christ we live in the fullness of all that he has given us by his power is that we thrive. Amen? The reality is without roots in his word, I believe we cannot thrive. And we just have to look around us and see the chaos and the confusion and the brokenness to see. We have the answer. 
The answer is found in Christ. It's found in the Word of God. And if we look at the brokenness, people, if you will just meet Jesus, anchor your lives in His truth, you might just begin to thrive a little bit. It's a cry of my heart. Without roots in His Word, we will not thrive in life. Isaiah points that out in Isaiah 37, verse 31, to take root below, to take root below and bear fruit above. Roots always determine fruit. And if we look at the fruit of our world at the moment, I'm saying there's some roots missing. And the roots that are missing is the truth of God. It's chaos. Our world is driving all kinds of agendas, and it's causing havoc with people's lives. So I'm pointing out a negative, but it's a reality of what we're living in. Our greatest challenge, I believe, right now, is to be contending for truth, God's Word. And so what I'm about to say is not my cause, it's not our cause as a local church, but it's worth tackling because it's undermining the Bible. You're familiar with the term woke culture. You might have heard a lot about it. Wokeism. The wokeism agenda, I don't have time to unpack it all, but there's this culture, there's this agenda that is, that is <clears throat> driving this uh, agenda to undermine truth, especially God's truth. It undermines God's natural order, His creative order. Gender identity is under attack. That's why we have a, a three-week series with our young folk, and we tackled this thing of identity. It's important that our young folk get a handle on, on identity, that they live to the fullness of who it is that God has created them to be. But it's the same for us as adults. You know, this wokeism culture tells us that we can be whatever you want to be. I heard a sad story. It was actually quite funny when I first heard it. We got together as a bunch of pastors this week, and a good friend of ours leads a church in George. This comes from George. It doesn't happen in Port Elizabeth. Is that uh, there's a high school. <laughs> Anybody from George? You were from George. <laughs> There's a high school, prominent high school in George, and uh, they built some gender-neutral toilets in the high school. And there was a girl who was quite offended by that because she identified as a cat and she wanted a litter box. No gospel. No lies. True. It's not a joke. I thought it was a joke. Very, very True should be sitting in the tree and licking herself, but anyway. <laughs> People are throwing away their brains. That's what's happening. Throwing away their brains. I'm going to just talk a little bit about the Barbie movie. Uh-oh. I haven't been there. I haven't been to the movie. I won't go. I don't want to see a recreation of a doll fantasy, but anyway, some people went. And... Uh, that's your choice if you like a movie about dolls, okay? I'm, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying that there are these things in our culture today that are driving agendas. And so the Barbie movie is a subliminal message that it propagates. There's a subtle promotion of the feminist agenda and its anti-patriarchy. Just listen carefully. I'm just saying, when you go watch these movies, don't throw away your brains, okay? Listen carefully. Whatever we watch, whatever... We 
I'm not anti-woman. I'm not pro-patriarch. But what I am for is celebrating this incredible truth that we started with, fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image of God. Male and female, He created us with specific roles, with specific functions that complement each other. And when we live like that, rooted in His Word, I believe society can thrive. So I'm not preaching against something. I'm not making a cause against the Barbie movie. I'm not making a cause against wokeism. I do have a cause, and my cause is for Christ and contending for the power of His truth. And I trust that's your heart if you believe in Jesus. I just want to warn us again, don't be ignorant. Just like Billy Graham says, don't be ignorant. Not everything is entertainment. Maybe, just maybe, and I'm just, I, this is my question mark in inverted commas. Just maybe the Barbie movie is being used to drive a certain agenda. Just be careful. Just like fashion causes movements, come and go. But there's one thing that stood that test of time, eternal, and it will, will be God's word. Yeah, you don't have to mention some of the causes. I don't want to highlight them. I don't want to give them airplay. But they come and they go. Notice they're here with us for a season, then they go. Then it's the next agenda. Then it's the next agenda. Then it's the next agenda. But God's word has since the beginning of creation, God created and then he gave. He gave us purpose in, in the beauty of who he's created us to be. But he also gave us his word. And His Word has sustained humanity through time, has it not? Israel's journey to their inheritance. There were some significant moments, and it's good to look at the Old Testament and just to look at the journey of God's people sometimes. One such moment recorded in Joshua chapter 3 is a moment, as you remember now Israel have been delivered from Egypt. They're on a journey to their inheritance just short of the Jordan River, there's a place that they camp at. It's called Shittim. I think that's how you pronounce it. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. The NIV translates it Shittim, but uh, New Living Translation records it as thus. Early the next morning, Joshua and the Israelites left Acacia Grove. That's a place called Shittim. And they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. So the two campsites, they were camped at Shittim, then they camped at the Jordan River. Now it's obvious that in a hot, dry climate, like they were traversing, you would set up camp in a shady place, would you not? I don't know anybody that sets up camp in a blazing sun. But if we look at this moment of camped in the acacia grave, acacia grove, not grave, <laughs> it plays a vital role in their faith. Some biblical scholars have said that the Ark of the Covenant that they carried with them was constructed of acacia wood. It wasn't just any wood, it was acacia wood. Why acacia wood, you might ask? Well, it's durable, it's resilient, it has antibacterial properties, rot resistant in other words, it's water resistant, doesn't spoil or fade quickly, it's, uh, it keeps its appearance for decades apparently. And so the Ark of the Covenant, we know, contained the two tablets, the law that was given to Moses. All with me? It also carried the presence of God. 
And it shows me that if you would construct the Ark of the Covenant out of acacia wood, you would consider that which it carried to be extremely precious, would you not? And valuable. The Word of God. And there's two moments in this journey of Israel. One was the Jordan River. And I'm going to paraphrase, so forgive me for a moment for the sake of time. They get to the And so what the Lord says is, priests step into the water, the leaders of the people, carrying the ark and stand in the middle of the river. So before the people cross over, the ark, word of God, presence of God, goes before them. And in the middle of the river, it parts and people cross over. The whole nation crosses over and everybody crosses over safely. The ark of the covenant was before them. That's what they saw. God's promises, God's presence, God's protection, God's life, in other words. As they crossed this obstacle, we face obstacles in life, don't we? How do we overcome them? Through the power of our testimony, the Word of God. Testimony of who Jesus is, what He's done for us. Second obstacle is Jericho. Jericho, tightly shut up. Nobody comes in, nobody goes out. It was promised to them as an inheritance, another obstacle. Who's had obstacles in life? And it just seems there's no way through them. God says to them, take the Ark of the Covenant before you. March around the city seven times. Seven times they march around the city, Jericho, with the Ark of the Covenant before them. The Word of God, the presence of God before them. Seventh day, ram's horns blow. These ram's horns apparently only are blown where the Word of God is read. When they read from the tablets, they blow these horns. They're declaring the promises of God. The walls come down. Boom. Inheritance taken a hold of. Beautiful. The Word of God, friends, gives us an inheritance. The Word of God gives us freedom. The Word of God gives us life. The Word of God gives us hope. How can we not pin our lives to the Word of God and let it be a foundation for how we live our lives? We don't have to be confused about who we are. The Bible tells us who we are. It's affirmed. The promises that we have in God, we don't have to try. Lord, what is it that you're saying about this situation? Or that circumstance. Read his word. The word tells us how we are to contend for the obstacles that we face in life. It doesn't just tell us how, but it promises victory. That if we live by them, we will have life. We can thrive. If you go and read Psalm 119, over 100, I think it's 175 verses. How's that for a challenge? Let's stop watching Netflix and Barbie movies and that for a while. Let's just read Psalm 119 for a while and live in the promises that it reveals to us. Because every verse is full of God's Word. If we do this, we will receive that. If we will do this, we will live in that. Every verse full of God's Word. Just a challenge for us. I'd include myself in that. I watch Netflix, by the way. It's not of the enemy. It is... If you watch some of the programs, you're not meant to watch. Figuratively speaking this morning, people, people, Bay City Church, where are we camping? Do we have an Acacia Grove perspective of God's Word? Precious, 
valuable, worth looking after, worth contending for, worth protecting, worth holding fast to? Or are we being influenced by the philosophy of this woke culture that is causing upheaval in our world? Signs are everywhere. Just like that poor girl who is confused. I believe she's confused. I really do. I believe she, she needs the Word of God to break into her heart and free her from some ignorance. And if we are not telling people that there's life in God's Word, they're going to listen to other opinions, won't they? And they will choose a myriad of opinions out there. And this culture that we live in, gender confusion, choose who you want to be, even a cat. Sad, moral decay, chaos in families, the only hope. The only hope for us is God's Word. Can I say that again? The only hope for us is God's Word, His truth. He doesn't just say, well, I've created you male and female, now get on with life and guess who you are and what you want to do. We have affirmation by His Word, through His Word, that shapes us, tells us how we should live. It has endured for thousands of years and will continue and endure into eternity. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, Natalie brought this word during the prayer meeting this morning. Must have known what I was going to preach. I don't know how because I prepared at 5 this morning. She didn't know. She did, we gave her a lift back from East London and I certainly didn't speak to her about what I was preaching on. Right of Hebrews says the word of God. The word of God. Can I say today the word of God is Alive and powerful. Alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And this is what it does. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Word of God is like a mirror. That if we will let the Word of God in humility and surrender and submission, speak to our hearts. It will free us and bring life. Spurgeon said this about the Word of God. He says, the Word of God is the rapier of revelation. It will go through anything. Not only is it a double-edged sword, it's got a sharp point. Rapier of revelation you want to be affirmed in terms of your maleness, your femaleness, your call as a woman, as a man, as a wife, as a husband, as a daughter, as a son, as a value adder, where you live, where you work. Read his word. Tell you. Also show you how you should live in terms of who you've been created to be. See, the Word exposes our weakness and our unbelief. When we submit ourselves to it, the Holy Spirit works powerfully through it. So we haven't been left as orphans, just tried to guess what His Word says. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation of God's will for our lives by His Word. And I believe it's only God's Word that brings true health. Maybe the music team can come up, please. I believe it's only God's Word that brings true health, brings fruitfulness, prosperity, and success 
to what we do. Psalm 1 verse 3, please turn there with me. That when we pin our lives, when we live our lives according to God's Word, His truth, this is a promise of fruitfulness. I'm going to supplant they with we are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Each season, winter, it's possible, according to this promise, to bear fruit, spiritual fruit in winter. When you feel it's so dark and it's desolate and life is tough, it's possible to have fruit in that season by the Word of God. They bear fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Is that not a beautiful promise? Please stand with me. There was some music team, maybe just to play that song, Blessed Assurance, again. I sought the Lord, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He answered. Just maybe as we sing that song this morning, to allow the Word of God, which is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, allow it to cut between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Just let it this morning expose our innermost thoughts and desires. When it does that, friends, the wonder of the Word of God, it doesn't condemn. For me, when I read the Bible, God's Word, it never condemns us. What it does, it convicts us and it promises us a better life, a better hope, a better future, a better today, a better tomorrow. That's what it promises. Can I just ask us, just in the stillness, before the music team pray, play, that we pray, we just call out to the Father. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Live in the affirmation that he has not made a mistake with your life. He has created you who he intended you to be. And he's given you everything you need for who he has called you to be. Thank you, Lord, for that assurance. Blessed assurance. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, we also know that your truth is like a searchlight the hands of the Holy Spirit. It shines into the depths of our hearts. And it reveals, as we've read, innermost thoughts and desires. And where aspects of our life are living, our decisions and our choices, not aligned with truth, Pray that the searchlight of truth this morning would shine and expose so we could be free, free from guilt, free from shame, and 
walk in this incredible living hope that we have in you, Jesus. So we pause for a moment. We allow you, counselor, advocate, holy one, to do your work in our hearts.